Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got Jesus Toledo with 8020 REI, and Jesus flew in from Miami, Florida, talk about how one of his clients is netting a million dollars in one month using their data. That's really an unfathomable number. Uh, I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on the show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. The show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to millions of cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And guys, if you get value out of today's show, please hit that subscribe button. That way we can all grow together. You ready? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. We've known each other for many, many years. So I'm really excited for this. Um, first question is, is what was your life like right before you got into real estate? Well, right before I was in an e-commerce uh, business. Okay. Uh, I moved to United States um, 11 years ago, so 2012. Uh-huh. And my wife and I were, we, I had another business before when I moved. So I had an online poker business back in Chile. And my wife was trying to figure out what to do. She saw an opportunity to start an e-commerce back in Chile. So we were sending brands that were not in Chile, that were in the United States, to Chile and selling online in Chile. Uh, long story short, we merged that company and I was, I was working for another company that was the merger between our company and the other one. Mm -hmm. And I kind of uh, wanted to sell something bigger. Uh, we realized that e-commerce, the margins are very thin mm -hmm. and we were making a few dollars on each transaction. Right. And that kind of, uh, led me to reach out to my now existing partner and say, Hey man, let's do something. Let's do something bigger. Mm -hmm. Uh, I reread the reach that for that. And then right. we, we got into real estate. So e-com is a high volume, low margin business. Yes. Is there a lot of risk in that business? So it depends. Um, the truth is in, in America, most of the e-commerces, they make any, anywhere between 40 to 60% more close to 50% margins. Mm -hmm. uh, so they buy something for 10, they sell for 20 right. and that's great. In South America, our margins are not that close. We had vendors that would give us a 25% margin. Mm -hmm. So it was very thin margin. So I would say there is a risk mm -hmm. in there. Be, know your margins before you go into any industry, before you right. go into the e-commerce. And e-com, um, it's kind of has this get rich quick feel, at least the people marketing, marketing it. Is that an accurate description? Not at all. So, <laughs> well, it depends. Again, it yeah. all depends. Um, obviously, you can source products from China today and, and, and have huge margins. There are opportunities for sure. I, I, don't, I don't take that. Our journey wasn't that way. Mm -hmm. Like we started, my wife and I, well, my wife started it. I had my, I was running my online poker business from here mm -hmm. in Chile. Uh, my wife started selling online. And when I saw she was selling a, a decent amount say, well, let me help you. Let me see what we can do here, mm -hmm. right? Because there was no e-commerce, no, there was no specialized baby e-commerce in Chile at mm -hmm. the moment. Yeah. Uh, so we, I started helping her and we started growing, growing, growing. We were reinvesting everything into the business. I had my other business to support us. However, we never made money. We ran negative on that business for seven years until we eventually sold that business. Uh, were you at least profitable when you sold the business? No, never. So it's like, uh, was it? It's this. Uh... So our partners. Uh, so about a year after we started, another company launched. They mm -hmm. raised money, so we started. We bootstrapped that business, mm -hmm. 
they raised, I don't remember exactly, a few hundreds of dollars to start mm-hmm. their business and they grew really fast, yeah. right? So we were number one and they quickly took that place from us. Mm-hmm. And by the time we merged, they were eight times bigger than us, Yeah. right? So we ended up merging. I stayed working with her. My, my wife had our, our first son, so she, she didn't keep working. I kept working with the company. Mm-hmm. We were constantly raising money, raising money, raising mm-hmm. money to keep going, growing, growing, growing. We got to a point, I think we were selling $6 million a year, mm-hmm. give or take. No profitable. We're very so, close. So it was not get not. rich quick. No, <laughs> not in our experience, right? Yeah. I do believe there is opportunities. Uh, I've yeah. been away from the e-commerce for the last sure. seven years now, but I do believe there is opportunities, but it is take it with a grain of salt. Right. It's very few people that become successful and you need to be very careful with the category that you choose and make sure that you have good yeah. enough margins. Uh, so I know we're supposed to talk about real estate. Uh, yeah. right? So I apologize <laughs> to everyone here, but uh, you mentioned poker. And, yeah. you know, I was a failed professional poker player, right? <laughs> like the moment I turned 21, I learned about poker. It just happened while, I mean, we went to Vegas, learned about poker, got addicted, right? And I was playing literally every weekend up until about when I got married when my wife said, this is no longer a thing, right? And so I, I, I was, you know, no pun intended, all in on poker. You have a background in poker. Yeah. How did you get into it and what, what did you learn from it? Oof, how I got into it, like you, I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, difference, unlike uh, in, in the United States, in Chile, we had no places to play. Mm-hmm. So I actually organized the very first poker tournament in Chile. And the idea was I was playing three different home games with three different groups. I just wanted to get all these three groups together and, and play the tournament and win the tournament. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted. <laughs> so the words start spreading out and we got 126 people because that was the exact number of people that we could do in three shifts. So we did, we did day one A, day one B, day one C mm-hmm. to run the tournament in a local bar. Uh, and all I wanted was to win the tournament. When we were approaching the tournament, I can't play <laughs> and organize it and try to win. It was going to be a little messy. So mm-hmm. I decided not to play and just be the organizer. It was me and my partner mm-hmm. at the moment. And, and that moment separated me from being a professional poker player to be a professional organizer right. of poker. When right? was that? Oof, 2001, maybe? 2001. No, so, no, no. 2006. 2006. Six. So okay. before Moneymaker. Okay. It was right before Moneymaker. Yeah. So I got, my addiction started around like 2001, right? Because this was right when I turned 21. Oh, And no. so, yeah, I mean, I got to witness the whole evolution from like cash games and limit poker to eventually no limit. And man, if I had, if, if no limit was as prevalent, I might've just stayed in poker, right? Uh, but there was still a lot of cash games when I, when I, when I had to, had to call it. Uh, yeah. So, um, 126 in a tournament, what did that evolve into? <laughs> so, hey, it was super successful. We didn't know anything about hosting tournaments, right? Like there was not a lot of content, nobody knew. We did a pretty good job without knowing much. Uh, so we got very aggressive and had high goals. So we set up a tournament for 300 people. Mm-hmm. We rented the place. We at that time, online poker was just starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Adverse Poker, which was one of the first, very few first, uh, to sponsor that tournament. And funny story, we had to make the tables ourselves. 
like manufacture. Uh, I think we did 20 tables oh, wow. of poker. Nobody, there was no, we had to import the chips. Like, granted, this is Chile. There's not a lot of uh, poker culture. So we started building it. We got to 300 people to buy in. Mm -hmm. And three days before the event, we got a letter from the casino legislation in Chile saying that we couldn't have the event. Oh. <laughs> so imagine that mm -hmm. us having all this money from other people, they already spent building the tables, mm -hmm. right? There were the sponsorship money that we got. We returned everybody's money. Mm -hmm. And Everest Poker, we, they, they sent us money for the sponsoring the event. We ended up saying, hey, we use the money to host the event. We don't have the money. How mm -hmm. can we make it up, right? And we had that conversation with them, say, hey, no problem. They were super understandable. And they say, no problem. Let's work something together online. Mm -hmm. Let's bring all these people from live poker to online. And that's how we shifted to an online poker community and hosting everything online. And that was the best transition that we did because we were an uphill battle with the casinos and everything. So we started partnering with casinos and hosting online qualifications for the mm -hmm. casino. So we actually hosted the first poker tournament in a casino, co-organized with the casino. Oh, so eventually it all worked out. It all worked <clears throat> out, yes. How yes. many uh, people were uh, uh, playing? What was your biggest tournament? How many people were, were participating in it? Well, so you you host uh, free tournaments like mm -hmm. the free rolls. Mm -hmm. You probably yeah. paid some online in the thousands, uh, a okay. couple thousand people. Uh, the paid tournaments, I think our record was 300. Okay. Uh, on a paid online poker tournament that was exclusive for our community, right? So it's not something that anybody could sign up. Mm -hmm. um, was this a profitable venture? Yes, it was. It was. It was a profitable business. I I got to travel a lot throughout South America. I came to cover the the, the World Series of Poker with Full Tilt. Eventually, we ended up working with Full Tilt. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, and yeah, it was a profitable business. It was good. It wasn't as big as I thought. It was gonna be. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned in there was one, learning to delegate. Uh, the first five, seven years of that business, I thought I had to do everything. Mm -hmm. I'm an engineer, I don't know how to write. Mm -hmm. I was writing blog posts, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So think about that, the inefficiency yeah. of me trying to, to do that. So that was one of the biggest lessons to learn to delegate and be okay that an 80% of somebody else mm -hmm. is better than 100% done by me. And the truth is, once you trust the people, they will do even better than what you did. Right. If you, right. Have, you find the right person, you empower them. Yes. Um, did you sell it or did you shut it down? Well, so we went through another merger there. So we had one competitor in that space. We, at the biggest point, I think we had like 50,000 active members in our forums wow. and community. Mm -hmm. We had classes. We had a pro poker team. We were sponsoring people. <laughs> it was amazing. I had a blast. Yeah. Uh, we were riding limousines because... The poker, they're very flashy. It has to be, yeah. They had the first Hummer limousine in Chile, <laughs> one of the poker rooms, and they were sponsoring us, so we were riding with them. So it was very flashy times, mm -hmm. had a ton of fun. Uh, then we merged with our biggest competitor. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a 50-50 merge. We were very close, one, one and two, one mm -hmm. and two. We were always splitting hairs who was the first one. And eventually, me and my partner were regional partners. We sold to those two mm -hmm. other partners, and yeah. they took over that business. They're still running it. and. Got I'm it. doing well. Yeah, I'm only asking because I know like a couple of those uh, online uh, poker, I don't know, operations, turning the complete Ponzi schemes. Oh, <laughs> well, it depends. Yes, yeah. it can be. Our was based on a community, right? So we were working with Full Tilt, 
poker stars, party poker, the biggest brands. I know, but wasn't one of the big ones the one that was a Ponzi scheme? Well, Full Tilt. Right. Full Tilt. So we lost a ton of money with Full Tilt. Yeah. We, we did the first televised poker tournament with Full Tilt, co-hosted with them in the casino. It was an amazing experience. Mm. And we fronted a lot of those expenses with the casino because we had really good relationship with, with mm. uh, Full Tilt. And when we aired and some of the payments were due, they shut down. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. back then. And in Chile, it was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it was, it was tricky. Yeah. So you talked about delegation. Um, for the poker side, the, op the playing poker, mm -hmm. where have you found playing poker has translated into real estate? Mm. Um, I saw the evolution of online poker, mm -hmm. right? And you probably saw that too. Yes. I, I mean, I saw the full evolution maybe in a shorter period of time because you were playing live poker, but mm -hmm. we played live poker tournaments. It was a bunch of older folks and very few young people, right? And then online came in and we were playing one table at a time online, which was faster than playing live. Way faster. Way faster. But then I saw the evolution of how data came into poker mm -hmm. and transformed that where people could play 48 tables at a time. Yeah. I, I, th I heard some numbers now they're playing even more. Right? Yeah. Like, but imagine having four monitors, uh, 12 tables per monitor, and all their decisions were data-driven. All math. Because they had every single hand of every single player that were playing there. Mm -hmm. uh, because you could buy databases of, of hands mm -hmm. and see the stats of the players and make decisions exclusively on how they played in different situations, mm -hmm. right? So I think the biggest translation of that is what I think is going to happen to real estate as well is data is going to take even bigger importance in the decisions that we make. It's already taking shift. It's like a large hole. Yes, but when I started it, there wasn't a lot of data talks Mm -hmm. at the moment, right? Yeah. You just go buy a tax delinquent list, an absentee list, and that's mm -hmm. it. Now we're having way more advanced, and I think there's a lot of room to, to improve yeah. the app. Yeah, it's scary what's happening with machine learning and AI uh, with, with data we can pull. I can say for myself personally, was the biggest benefit I had on top of game theory, right, and like you know, making optimal decisions, mm -hmm. is just reading people, right? I got a lot of practice just looking at a person and figure out how they operate and then making decisions based off like they, this is what they did this time, this is what they're doing that time. So I'm just I'm it's predicting, yeah. Train can... yeah, train my my eyes to see how you're breathing, how you're playing with your chips. You know, when you put your chips in this way, you put your chips in that way. And I, I believe that training my eyes to look at that for years playing poker, now any any facial interaction, anything that you do in the living room mean something what did that mean so all right so sorry guys we had to geek out on poker like i said <laughs> uh you know i'm, I'm, I'm I, I was a giant giant poker nerd um so getting into real estate what prompted you to get into real estate well so like i said i i had merged my e-commerce and mm -hmm. i was working there and i had a two-year window for my stocks and it wasn't because my two-year window was 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 finishing I just didn't feel the passion anymore. I was mm -hmm. tired of selling things and being in a business that was not profitable. Mm -hmm. I was used to always making money with my business and this is, well, not happening. Yeah. Uh, and I read, reached that poor dad. Mm -hmm. I told Felipe, my partner, 
we've been friends since high school and he was living in Miami as well. I say, let's do something together. Let's do a change, read this book and let's go to a local re-event. Yeah. And we went and the rest is history. Right. Well, when was this? 2017. 2017. Well, end of 2016. And then we were both like, he was really finishing. not that long ago. Not that long ago. So he's also Chilean. He's also from Chile. Yeah. He was my brother's best friend in high school. Uh, and I, so we were always hanging out. And then we became, uh, I, I always joke, my brother stole him. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know this, and you might want to look out, but he's an extreme maverick. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's funny because everybody who looks at Felipe's profile, because yeah. he's an extreme, extreme, extreme maverick, yeah. says, how do you guys get along? And huh. we got along really well. Yeah. Like I, I believe the level of respect that we have for each other allow us to understand us and and just be okay with with how we are yeah so what we're talking about here is predictive index so actually how would you explain what a maverick is i can't explain what felipe is <laughs> <laughs> so a maverick is somebody who is very independent who mm -hmm. likes to do things their own way mm -hmm. and typically do not have a lot of patience mm -hmm. right right uh, and not really good with details either mm -hmm. right yeah. Uh, I'm very different from that. I'm a collaborator mm -hmm. and my, my profile is a collaborator. So I like to hear other people's opinions and I like very process driven and very detailed. Yeah. Uh, so There's a certain amount of irony of having a, a maverick that doesn't care about data owning a data company. It is, it is, it is. <laughs> but that's how that level of respect that we have, yeah. right? When we started wholesaling, I never got into sales. I'm not a sales guy. Yeah, He is. I would look from my engineer perspective and 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 help him, yeah. uh, but not to that. And he never. Obviously, we like I, we always joke when we started doing the first data processing for for our own wholesaling operation. We joke we were like Moneyball, right? <laughs> and I was the nerd, data nerd, and he was just, oh, what do you think about this? He was yeah. giving me ideas because Mavericks are really good big ideas, Ideation, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, and he and he's an incredible incredible salesperson. I. I, I love having him on our calls or on our sales training calls because he has a perspective, right? He he can add something. I mean, he he's geeking out on sales just as much as I am. So he adds so much value there. Oh, and 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 I'll say this is a shameless plug to you is yeah. Felipe has gone through several several mentors in sales. He's like you said, he has geeked out and he loves your sales training. Yeah, he absolutely loves it. He talks everybody that we talk. He recommends it. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, he, he, he's, he's an incredible guy. So, uh, so thank you for that. Um, so 2017, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, go to Ria's. What comes <laughs> from that? Uh, we're starting to figure out what we're going to do. Uh -huh. right? At that time, MLS was still a thing, doing deals from the MLS. And Felipe, is, he, when he goes all in in something, he knows everybody in the industry. He knows everything. I think it was Joe McCall's. Uh, course, he got a hold of the MLS hacks. Mm -hmm. I think it was it was basically making offers on the MLS. Yeah, uh, and we had access to 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 the MLS. My mom was a realtor, so she also helped me got into mm -hmm. real estate. A little bit of that was because my mom was in real estate, and so I got access to the MLS. And I was playing with it, and I saw an opportunity to export all the realtors. Right, so. Felipe was telling, man, watch this. We need to do this. And I look at the, the, the training that Joe McCall had. was great training, by the way. He said, you need to do 100 offers, hire a VA, do 100 offers a day, uh, and just go crazy on it. I said, well, that's not very efficient, right? <laughs> like, I, I'm always trying to optimize things. What if we go in, do a search, 
with relevant keywords on the MLS and try to trim it a little bit and export all the realtors information and just send an email and call them, mm -hmm. right? So we send one email, the, f the first use that we did, we send one email, I think it was a thousand people. We got so many calls, we got three deals out of that. Wow. Like part of it, we had no idea, right? We were just trying to figure it out. We had a mentor that was holding our hand and helping mm -hmm. on, on all the real estate related transactions. Yeah. Uh, but because Felipe was such a good salesperson, he mm -hmm. was able to manage those and, and, and get us the first few deals. Gotcha. Okay. So seems like then you took the information, you guys executed right away and got deals right away. Well, with the tweak, right? Yeah. Is the optimization. And that's kind of a, from poker and from business is always looking, what is the 80-20, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the 20% of efforts that are going to give me the 80% of results? And, and, and that was kind of what the eyes that we always look at things. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, but action is the most important thing that you need to do as a business. If you're starting something is, here's something, if it resonates with you, if mm -hmm. your gut tells you that's right, mm -hmm. just go and take action. Yeah. Don't, don't wonder too much, just go in and take action. So pretty quickly, right out of the gates, you guys have three deals. So then what was it like after that? Well, uh, <laughs> those three deals weren't like huge spreads, right? Uh, uh, that's what we learned from that experience. One is very difficult to manage the expectations with realtors, especially us being newbie. We burned all those three relationships right away because they realized <laughs> we were wholesaling and we didn't <laughs> tell them. So it was very, very weird. And we didn't make a lot of profit on those mm -hmm. deals. However, it got us into this and we learned. So we hired another mentor, uh, Alex Pardo, actually, mm -hmm. and he taught us all the off-market. Mm -hmm. Right. He showed us the ropes on the off market. And we we're hearing that the profits in there in Miami was 20 grand, 30 grand, $30,000. And we say, well, that's much better. We did, I think, on average, seven grand on each transaction or five grand on each transaction on the MLS deals, which is not bad at all. Right. Right. Uh, but we wanted to go into bigger because I got into real estate to make larger spreads per transaction. Right. So I didn't want to do that one. Uh, so we started playing with. Um, how do we go off market? Mm. What are the best data? Let's start with data. We always start with data, right? So what is the list? So we got a bunch of lists. Um, my thought was always, if I get it where everybody else is getting, mm -hmm. we're, at most we're gonna get the same results as everybody else is getting, right. right? So we went directly to the source. I didn't wanna buy from any vendor, I wanted to go directly to the source. So we figured out ways to get it on our own county. Mm -hmm. How do we get the data? And that was also a big lesson of understanding what are the important distresses for a seller to make and what how those distresses work that's something that i always tell when when we talk to a a person who's trying to get a deal know your market better than anybody else mm -hmm. what are those other points how tax delinquent works in your market how pre-foreclosure process is because it varies from market to market and you want to make sure that you understand that so once we got that data we started really processing it to optimize our marketing of choice was cold calling mm -hmm. because Felipe has had a background in, in, in call center and, and we wanted to optimize that. They don't want to call hundreds of thousands of people. How do we can we call the fewest to right. get that? And we put all these data together and I was about to skip trace the files and I realized, wait a second, there's properties that are in tax delinquent and absentee and pre-foreclosure I don't want to skip trace them three times. It doesn't make any sense. Let's remove the duplicates. But at that moment, the light bulb came in. Philippe and I were sitting like in the desk like this and we say, wait, what if instead removing them, we prioritize them because they're in multiple lists, yeah. right? So it was kind of our first version of, of stacking. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And that's how we got in 12 market. Cold calling was our biggest channel for a long, long time after in that. 12 markets? No, no, no. Into your market? Into, yeah. Okay. That's how we got into off market. So that was all in the first year? That was all in the first year, yes. Okay. Yes, like our very, I, I would say the second time we got a list, it's when we realized this. So the first list was probably tax delinquent list, mm -hmm. if I'm not wrong. Yeah. And then we started getting more. So we went with the tax delinquent. Felica was taking action, calling, and I was trying to figure out what's the best next list. Mm -hmm. And that's how we came across that process. Gotcha. So first, you do an email to a bunch of realtors. Then you go and start pulling lists uh, from the county. And then, I mean, what was that experience like? Learning. A lot of learning, yeah. uh, trying to figure it out. Miami, fortunately, was very online friendly. Mm -hmm. So that's a big challenge for some some counties out there. It could be yeah. very challenging to get that information. But hey, I went to the courthouses and hey, how can I get this? Mm -hmm. Like really taking action. I don't know anything. Just trying to do this. Can you help me? Right. And people will, hey, show you your computer. Here's how you download it, mm -hmm. right? It's literally doing that or on the phone mm -hmm. uh, until we got what we wanted. Right. And then you just started list stacking and still cold calling. What was the result of that? <laughs> our second off-market deal was the biggest deal that, that we did like for a couple of years after that. Uh, and I didn't know what we were doing or what happened back then. Mm -hmm. I only realized a couple of years later when I looked back, we got this property that was on a bunch of lists. Mm -hmm. Like I think it was divorce, tax delinquent, and pre-foreclosure, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But the truth is in Florida, there's a lot of zombie mortgages. Mm -hmm. So they gave up on the property. So nobody's paying taxes on those. So mm -hmm. they had those three things. And Felipe gets a hold of the seller, one call, close. Like one call, close, because the seller didn't know he owned the house. Mm -hmm. He thought he didn't own the house. He was talking to nobody. Felipe was the first call he got in seven years about the house. Mm -hmm. And he locked it up the contract. Yeah. And at that moment, we didn't know why this guy, nobody's calling him. Why nobody's talking to him, right? Well, we'll take it. I think that's the only reason why we got that deal because it was a very complicated deal mm -hmm. and we offer very little. We got it done. We, we took care of a lot of things for him as well. Mm -hmm. So we added a ton of value. Heck, he didn't think he owned the house, right? right. So for him, it was it's free money. money. Yeah, yeah, it's found money. Uh, we ended up making close to 90 grand on that deal, 80 something. Mm -hmm. And it, that was when they say, hey, here's something, right? Like, yeah. let's, let's go into this, this off market thing. But what we learned afterwards, the reason why we were the only ones talking to him is because his property has a bunch of unformatted data points. Mm -hmm. right? So for, I, I believe it was years of ownership, I mean, the, the year built and the number of bedrooms. So it was blank on county records mm -hmm. for number of bedrooms. And it was blank for the year built on mm -hmm. the property. So when you pull lists from most vendors, you do not have the option to pull blanks or unknowns or unformatted. Sometimes it's the wrong format. Sometimes it's most of the properties have year built four digits, right? Mm -hmm. 1950s. Uh, but some, they have year and month. And that masses the data. Yeah. And they don't show up anywhere. So that's how we call now, they, we call them the hidden gems. Mm -hmm. There's still 20 to 40% of data across America mm -hmm. that is unformatted. Mm -hmm. And you cannot get it from a traditional vendor. That's what Hidden Gems is. That's a Hidden Gems. Yeah, because we one of our deals, we did a whole video about it. <clears throat> we oh. bought, it was a Hidden Gem deal. How? Uh, it, was, uh, it was a text. 
uh, to a guy in Tucson. And uh, yeah, we got him on the phone and we thought we were going to make like 150, 200 grand on this. We only made 30 on it. But still, right? It was. We probably had very little competition. Yeah. So it, it was great. We were, it, it was a pretty, it was a fairly smooth transaction, right? And the guy, like, I was a former politician, gave this guy a testimonial and all this. It was, it was a wonderful experience wow. for, for all parties. Yeah, wow. it was a hidden gem. I was like, I don't know what a hidden gem is, but great. Like, let's, let's, let's do more of these. <laughs> well, so at that time, we didn't know. We, we did more hidden gems along our journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as profitable as that one. But we learned that there is still properties. Miami is one of the most competitive markets. Not like Phoenix, but it's probably mm-hmm. top 10 most competitive market. Yeah. And we're talking to a seller in a prime location, perfect property. That was on, should be on everybody's list, yet was on nobody's list. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, so now we reverse engineer that, then we can find more of those. And like we call microscopic human review mm-hmm. what we do with the data. We look at every single column of the data points mm-hmm. to try to see if it's one variable that it shouldn't be there, and we correct it to make sure that it gets included in our filters right. and, and our process. What was your engineering background? I studied electrical engineer. Funny story, I didn't graduate. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, so in Chile, it was six years of engineer. I did. Mm-hmm. Four and a half. So I had three semesters left, mm-hmm. and I started the poker business, and I thought I was going to be a billionaire yeah. uh, with my poker business. And I, I so we have out. that in common. So we started as electrical engineers, and we got into poker, and we got into real estate. Yeah. <laughs> All you're missing is e-commerce. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I, I was distracted for a bit, right? In 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 tw- end of 21, beginning of 22, right? Things were great, right? I was like, ah, maybe we'll dabble here. It's like it never went anywhere. So I was like, yeah, forget it. Um, so, so you graduated from electrical engineer? Yeah, I have a master's degree in nice. electrical engineering. Nice. That's, that's, so like when I graduated ASU, right? I was ASU. I was playing poker on the weekends. Right. I went to UC San Diego uh, to get my master's degree, and I was up in Oceanside every Friday. Nice. Playing poker, beating the older guys, you know, in, in tournaments for taking their, their money for their social security <laughs> money. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean uh, that continued uh, throughout. So all right. Um, so you figure out the hidden gems thing. At what point then? Because you guys started 2017 and you guys are knocking out a park in year one, which is awesome. Yeah. At which point was 8020 REI born? So obviously we evolved our, our, our data processing, right, uh, internally. And we got really good on cold calling and texting. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we dialed in, like texting. At that time, I wish there was a, a texting software. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that time, there weren't. Mm-hmm. So we created one. Um, for us internally to use. So we're pairing data, cold calling and texting and learning how often to engage with the property, mm-hmm. right? And dabbling with it, we hired Gary Harper, you know him, and oh, yeah. Susan. Sharper, they're fantastic. Fantastic, they fantastic. Today, yeah. Yes, me too. I just had a, an event with him, June. Yeah. Uh, he came to our business. So we met him through a mastermind. He came to our business. And first time he came, he was impressed with our margins, like how we're finding these properties, nobody else was talking. And he, he, he told me later, like, I didn't know what was it. But when the second time he came for quarterly, he said, you know what, guys, this is what you're doing with your data and your texting and your cold calling is special. And I've coached thousands of people in this industry. I never seen anything like that. You should offer as a business. Mm-hmm. And then my engineer background came by. Yeah, I really like this part of the business. Like, and that's, that's, that's the another, part you're excited about. <laughs> yeah, like Gary pointed that to me. Like, I, I'm really passionate about data and the lead gen. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as passionate for the sales and the operation side of the mm-hmm. business. 
And, and that was actually holding us back a little bit because my passion was just generating leads. We had more leads than we could get. And, and so we started that. Uh, Gary pushed us. He mm -hmm. literally said, hey, guys, you have to. So uh, thank you, Gary. <laughs> yeah. And that's awesome. And I do think that there's a lot of, um, when I was figuring out PPC on my own, right, a long, long time ago, back in 2010, 2011, 2012, I love that part of real estate because there were no emotions. Mm. It was just straight, if you do this, you get this re result, right? Direct response marketing, right? So I was like, so I was picking up books from Dan Kennedy and just learning direct response marketing, you know, like all the clickbait hooks, right? You know, like our, for example, today's title, right? <laughs> all that clickbait stuff, I learned it back for, for, uh, from direct response marketing and I love the marketing side, right? I could like I built my entire brokerage. I built a lot of my real estate business just from marketing, and I was just atrocious at sales forever, right? And so I totally get where you're coming from because oh, so you got really good at sales because you had to figure that out. I had to figure it out eventually. Well, yeah, but the the marketing side was the one that appealed to me because I can generate leads all day, every day. That part's easy. Yes. It was the it was, it was having to talk to homeowners uh, that I was too understanding and that was biting me in the butt. And so, um, so 2017 or, or 2018, Gary Harper comes out and is like, you've got something here. You need to, sell, you need to turn this into a business. Yes. So that was late, mid 2018, if I'm not wrong. Mm -hmm. um, it took us a little bit mm -hmm. to, okay, let's do this, mm -hmm. right? A little bit of not knowing or, or not sure. And we ended up doing a couple of JVs mm -hmm. with people, people in different markets. Hey, we'll give you the data. We'll do the taxing and and the cold calling, and you close the deals. You, we get back. Mm -hmm. Amazing relation. One of the best relationships that I built from real estate was through those JVs because yeah. we made each other a lot ton of money. And then how it started, right? So right. we were part of a mastermind, and and people in the mastermind were seeing like our cost per lead and these hidden gems that were closing. I'm like, Dude, how are you guys doing this? Mm -hmm. Well, we just started this, and that's how we started offering it. Uh, Initially, it was just for us and then evolved and it became a data plus texting mm -hmm. originally because we had to develop the texting part of it. Right. But we always pair with the data, right? Like uh, when we started, we realized too, like this is one of the most important things that we learned from that is the way that you talk to a seller. So let me ask you this. Two leads come in. Mm -hmm. One, they fill out the form and says, I'm pre-foreclosure and I, I need to move out immediately. Mm -hmm. And you have another one just asking how much you're gonna offer. Mm -hmm. Who are you gonna call first? The one that has all the pain points. And, and if he doesn't answer, you're probably gonna follow up with him way more, yeah. right? So we took that approach to prospecting, mm -hmm. right? So once we had the data, we started segmenting it and creating different marketing plans for each one of them, right? So how often we texted, how often we called, really made the difference. So our software, more than a taxing platform, was a marketing coordination tool yeah. to allow us to have all the data in one place and create marketing plans so we could execute on it, right? And what we learned on that was that telling people what to do, mm -hmm. it's very different than helping them do it. Yeah. Because you, we could give them all the game plan in the world. Right. Here's how you do it. It's a perfect playbook. Perfect. <laughs> It is tough to execute because real estate is, a, is it's easy to understand. It's simple to understand, but it's not easy to execute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? And it's a sales 
right? That, that's the one thing for anybody who's starting to or wants to scale their business, mm -hmm. focus on sales first. Mm -hmm. This is a sales business, it's not a marketing business. Right. Some people say it's marketing and sales. I say it's more than anything is sales mm -hmm. because you can outsource marketing today. Right. If you focus on sales, you're gonna be successful. Mm -hmm. um, then, so what I was going is, they need to, our investors need to focus on that, the operations, the sales, the fix and flips, mm -hmm. and those are the things they had to focus. So we started offering a white glove service. Let me do the data, I'll do the taxing, I'll just push a qualified lead to you, mm -hmm. right? And that started growing, 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 growing. Yeah, so I didn't hear about you guys, I wanna say until like maybe 2021, right? 2020, and it was too late, right? Like, because uh, this, this is the time when texting started going down, right? Because uh, we were using Roar for some yeah. time, and that was grossly inconsistent. Like, sometimes it was amazing, sometimes it was nothing, right? Because they weren't shifting w w with, with the way things were going. And there were, all, there were multiple texting platforms. Uh, I mean, uh, Launch Control launched around that time. Uh, we were using Text Magic, I believe, uh, as well. But there's all these other ones. And like as, as some of these were like getting in, in, in uh, less and less effective, and we're asking what's going on, like what's working. And everyone's like, "Hey, twenty, like, okay, like you guys could have said this years ago, <laughs> right?" So you guys are obviously figuring it out. How were you staying ahead of the constant changes, whether by the carrier or by FTC or whoever? Yeah. So one of the reasons why you didn't hear about us because we were a white glove service. Mm -hmm. So we had to have people to execute the taxing and the lead qualification. We had taxing in a two tier system, mm -hmm. right? So we could only onboard clients as fast as we could hire and train people. Mm -hmm. And it was a completely different business. Like we, at one point we had 150 remote employees, mainly taxing and qualifying leads for our, 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 our clients. And we had a waiting list of 50 people waiting for us. And yeah. we couldn't, like we literally couldn't onboard more because we're gonna hire faster. So that was a distraction a little bit. And the way that we capped it is we had a dedicated team of data scientists and engineers, mm -hmm. reverse engineering, what the carriers were blocking mm -hmm. or letting pass in order to prevent the messages from going out that were more likely to be blocked by spam. Right. right? So our first dabbling in, in AI was, I think it was 2019, when we saw that trend of the carrier starting to get into it, mm -hmm. or 2020, maybe maybe 2020, and we started, okay, let's get ahead of this, right? Let's, we have millions, uh, the highest of our volume, we were sending 20 million messages a month, right? Uh, so that's a <laughs> lot of data points. So 20, we were, in case you guys didn't hear, 20 million text messages a month. Yes. <laughs> so surrounding myself with, high level people yeah. that could help me solve that problem. It wasn't something that I could do it on my own. Um, and just keeping the health of the delivery rate will, will allow us to be one of the latest ones to leave. So Twilio was one of the, the vendors mm -hmm. of choice. We were one of the only ones at the end that were still on that vendor mm -hmm. because we took such a really good care of our delivery rates. Mm -hmm. And that's why our clients were successful uh, as well. To, to be able to, to stay for longer. Yeah. That's how we stayed ahead of it. We figured out the KPI that they were looking at, error rates or spam rates. Mm -hmm. We prevented that, we can stay ahead. So you could see it on your side, which ones were marked as spam? 
Well, at the beginning, yes. And then they started giving you false positives. So it uh, got really tricky. So we switched our right, model. Because it says it's delivered, but it's not. Yes. Right. And, and they said it was spam. It was not. Right. So we started seeing those false positives because they, they probably knew. I don't know. Uh, right. But we, then we switched. Right. So here's a, a big switch that we did. We started, instead of predicting who's going to be blocked as spam, we started predicting what text message is going to generate a response. Mm -hmm. Because if you got a response, it was delivered. delivered. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we built like our own algorithm that generated thousands of variations. Before ChatGPT, this mm -hmm. was very archaic, but we had like segments of the text. It was not spin words. It was spin phrases mm -hmm. that allowed us to generate millions of variations of each text message. And out of those, we knew which ones were generating more responses. Mm -hmm. And it would change every single day. Right? Ah. So it was a constant learning and improving. Don't get me wrong, we had fires all over too, right? Yeah. Sometimes one of the, whatever, the model didn't get it right and we were being blocked and we had to revert mm -hmm. that. It was, it was yeah. a lot of work. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes we made was ending texting in 2020. Mm, right? You stopped texting before. We stopped texting in 2020 because it was whack-a-mole, right? We were like, hey, Roar, what's going on with this? Uh, hey, Text Magic, what's going on with this? Talking to Jesse Burrell at, at Batch, right? Hey, this isn't working. Like, and so we're like, we're trying everything, and at some point, it just felt like we we're playing whack-a-mole, right? Hey, yeah. this works today, but it doesn't work in two days. This works right now, but this doesn't work anymore. And at that point, we're like, this effort is not, and we didn't have a vendor partner like you. Yes. Right? So at this point, we're like, okay, well now we have to work with Twilio. Okay, well, like this is not something that's in our wheelhouse. Like the the effort required to interact with Twilio was not generating return and effort. Like I said, I wish I had known about you well, at but, that time. But let me, let me tell you, maybe it wasn't a big mistake. Like if you look at it from a different perspective, it mm -hmm. forced you to create other marketing channels. Yeah, but now we're using launch control, we're getting deals again. Like, <laughs> Well, that's another lesson, right? Never stop a marketing channel, right? So we, we made the same decision as you as a vendor, right? Yeah. So end of 2021, some regulation changes started happening locally in, in Florida, and we had a... a, a oh, yeah, Florida, like, is the one, maybe it was you guys, but Florida was the first one that's like, this must stop. Well, they, they made some changes and, and they were running ads on TV. Say, are you getting tax messages from real estate yeah. investors? Send it to me, I'll get you $1,500 or more, yeah. right? So there were attorneys running ads to do class action lawsuits against taxers, right? Yeah. So our attorney looked into it and he said, guys, like this is the first time I'm okay with risk. You guys know this because he advised us all the way through. I think it's time, you guys are a local based Florida company. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on you. I would highly recommend. And to be honest, it was also getting really hard to get by the carriers. Mm -hmm. uh, it was taking a toll on me personally and physically, mentally. And well, it was a combination. you're service oriented. Yeah, I am. I, and, and I have high standards of how we deliver our services. And, and we couldn't not do it right, right? right. And, and when the attorney told me, it was kind of a aha oh, yeah. moment. Well, Let's but even before off. Florida, right? I mean, like federally like the striker or whatever they called it like whatever they signed like when when trump signed that in the in 2020 i was like well <laughs> the the skew shaking skew shaking something like yeah, that stir and shake yes or shake and stir yeah, yeah. like between like sh shake and stir strike and all the other stuff that like, was that was for cold calling and then they came up with the 10 dlc new regulation yeah. and then everything started to change and change and change and it right. got harder and harder and harder to get the messages delivered yeah. And now I don't know how lunch does it. Kudos to them. Like I yeah. know Aaron, he like <laughs> I don't know how he gets the message delivered. Yeah. Good for him. Uh but it is a tough, tough 
And right. we decided to shut it off. Like it was two thirds of our business. Mm -hmm. Again, we had 150 people relying on this. Two thirds of our business was around taxing. Mm -hmm. We decided to, hey, it's time to stop. Uh, fortunately, with the people, we didn't let them go. We found them a new place. Like we're very fortunate to be a part of Collective Genius and yeah. some other groups. We had these people were highly trained, very reliable. And we, we, everybody signed up in our office. They have two monitors. We, we do them an office upgrade as soon as they, they're hired. So all these amazing resources. So we found a home for every single person who mm -hmm. we had to let go because we were not taxing. We found them another company to start working with. Yeah, them. I, remember, I remember seeing you post that inside the, the, the CG Facebook group. So that's the texting side. Yes. How is your data? I mean, we're, we're, like I said, you know, a million dollars for one, just one client in one month, right? How is your data different? Because there's a lot of data providers, right? Like there's this evolution. I mean, right now, uh, I can't remember. Jerry Norton has a new one uh, that's free. Like a prop. wire or something. Yeah. 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 Prop wire or something like that, right? Like it's crazy, right? So they get, you get Jerry Norton's this guy who's free for prop, prop wire, which I think is probably going to kill PropStream, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the owners don't care. They already got their payout, right? <laughs> uh, so you got, you know, you got uh, uh PropStream, you got, uh, what's the one that's um, Property Radar? Batch Leads. Batch, like you name it, yeah. Uh, right? And then, and then there's tiers. And then you got, you know, Investor Machine. You got uh, Audantic. You got uh, Dataflick. Like, there's just so much competition. How, what are you doing to separate yourself from the competition? <laughs> so, a couple of things. And, 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 and I think the biggest one is, because of our journey with data and marketing in one unit mm -hmm. and the amount of volume. So we tracked at one time, we, we surpassed 2 billion in total calls and text messages done for our clients, right? And everything <laughs> that we did was paired to a data point. Yeah. Every response that we got was paired to a data point. Mm -hmm. So what we experimented through having that closed feedback loop, because remember, as a data provider, you provide data, you don't know what's happening after that. It's very hard for a client to give you back like, oh, this property I closed, or this property was a lead, this property responded positively. It's very difficult to get that from mm -hmm. a client. We had the whole feedback loop closed, right? So we knew what responded, what was a lead, and eventually what closed. Mm -hmm. So we were able to really master how to segment the data and how frequently to call and text mm -hmm. them. Right? right. That's a big differentiation because I believe in order for you to maximize your ROI or generate more leads through outbound, data is a is an important part. It's probably it's probably the foundation, but it's only thirty percent of the equation. Mm -hmm. Fifty percent of your results, if you want to optimize what you're doing, is the strategy that you build based on your data, and that's what we do. That I don't believe anybody else does mm -hmm. is. Having that background and allowing us, and actually that's something that we'll give for free in our, our website and mm -hmm. we can talk about it later. We will share a way for you to segment your data and how to plan your marketing based on the tiers of data that you have. Gotcha. That really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. We tested from texting a pre-foreclosure owner every single day mm -hmm. or three times a day for seven days to texting once a month. All the different data points that you can think of, we tried different frequencies mm -hmm. to try to maximize the responses, yeah. right? And then we found the 80-20 and we 
ended up creating a three-tier system. We have our data is segmented in three tiers, and then each one of those tiers has a specific marketing cadence yeah. that combines texting, cold calling, and direct mail. So I think that's one of the big important part of us is that we're not just a data provider. Mm -hmm. We help you build the strategy. We give you a game plan for your strategy. And the last 20% is the tactics, right? right? It's what postcard you send, what script, what text. We have all those resources. So mm -hmm. we give it for free for our clients too. Yeah. We have a texting script, a cold call script that we spend tens of thousands of hours mm -hmm. trying to master to get more leads. Mm -hmm. uh, and the funny part is, what was your average? Do you remember your lead to contract from texting? It was something stupid. I mean, it was like better than uh, one in seven. No, lead to contract from texting? Um, it was probably higher. So, I mean, I was, it was it was the cheapest channel for sure. It was the cheapest channel. For sure. But on conversion-wise, it's typically... In 2019, it was... Well, early, <laughs> yes. So late 2020s, yeah. or like late 2020, early 2021. Yeah. If you look at today, average is about oh, it's horrendous. Seventy-five today. leads to hundred <laughs> leads per contract. Yeah, we today. were consistently delivering twenty-five leads per contract for our clients yeah. because of the scripts, the twenty percent, the tactics. Right. That qualification, extra qualification of the leads before you push to your sales team was very important for us. So I think that knowledge separates us. Mm -hmm. And the second part is we've been playing with machine learning like from the taxing times, mm -hmm. and then we translated that into data. And, and the most important thing, and like you said, AI now with ChatGPT became a commodity, right? Like mm -hmm. there's not a conversation that you have around business that doesn't mention ChatGPT or yeah. some AI component. But the truth is AI is not new, mm -hmm. right? Like you just had to have a ton of resources to be able to access it, like computer resources and other yeah. things. The language model is newer. AI yeah. has been around forever. Forever. So what, so, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, our model is better. I think it is, and I'm confident it is that we, mm -hmm. because we do. But I think one of the most important things that we do is that we're very careful of what we train our model on. Right. Let me give you an example. If I train um, any model to predict, and I only give them as a positive, as something that you need to look for as a transaction, all you're going to create is predict transactions, mm -hmm. right? If I give absentees, what most people consider an absentee is an, 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 an opportunity, it's not, right? A lot of absentee transactions are not. So we're very careful what we call a deal when we're looking at the data so mm -hmm. we can train our model with the most accurate data possible so we mm -hmm. can predict more accurately. Yeah. And, and that's the part that gets me the most excited is I have a, an amazing team of engineers we hire. We, I'm, I'm from South America, so for us, hiring globally, it's a part of our unique ability as well. Yeah. So we hire Ivy League engineers, mm -hmm. former McKinsey consultants to join our team. And, and our new model is actually called Gaia. We're super excited about it. It's 40% better than our third generation wow. of, of the model that we already had. And it's just that. I think it's the, the way that you train the model, what you feed the AI, what is the correct case, it's what makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. I mean, uh, I learned that from uh, PPC marketing, right? Oh, for sure. Right? If you say Google, this is the one that worked, we focus more on that and the cost per lead goes down. Or maybe the cost per lead, goes, the cost per lead is higher, but the cost per contract goes down. Right. So we can say 
we like it when they Google these words. Let's spend as much marketing dollars on these words. If you give one wrong, you yeah. can mess everything. Yeah. Right? Right. If you give one generic word that is not in there, you're going to mess your budget. You're going to cl close. Yeah. The same thing with data, right? And Google runs machine learning and predictive <laughs> analytics forever, right? Right. With that. They're reverse engineering yeah. the results. You generate more results like that. The same thing. But so what you feed is the most important thing. Yeah. So, I mean, this might sound like a completely foreign language, but super tight feedback loops is super what we're talking tight. about here, right? Like the better the data, the better, the closer you can tie the, these data points to an appointment or a closing, the the more we can train is like, okay, look for more of these and this not spend as much effort on these other things. 100%. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I love that. So um, one of the things that uh, you and I were talking about was areas for improvement, things that you wish you could do a little bit better, right? <laughs> Actually, before we get into that, uh, guys, you were just talking about, uh, uh, you were offering that for free. So 8020rei.com slash disruptors. Yes. Right, if you guys go there, Whatever, what uh, uh, Jesus was just talking about for free, you guys can can check that out there. Um, okay, so uh, I was going with areas of opportunity for us. Yeah, areas uh, opportunities for growth. And so you said that here's what I like about about you. You're talking to your clients on a regular basis. You got 97 percent retention rate, which is outrageous. <laughs> outrageous that you have a 97 percent retention rate. Like I think industry churn across the board is typically somewhere around 20%, right? To have a 3% churn rate is just Thank you. ludicrous. So uh, congrats to you. And I bring this up and because you have this two things, continuous, you're continuously striving for improvement and you have this obsession with your clients being happy, you do this quality call. And what you learn from the quality call is that you could do a better job in self-promotion. Well, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Actually, exactly like that giveaway that we're giving, right, yeah. for, for your audience. Some of our clients think we're just a data vendor uh -huh. because they, we, don't, we are improving, trying to do a better job at communicating that data, yes, our data is great, mm -hmm. but if you don't execute on the game plan, it's not going to be there. So that's why we build that guide, one, for our clients, and then <laughs> to use it as well, make sure that everybody knows how to use the data. And we actually have a simplified version, mm -hmm. like, just tier the data with if you're starting, because we typically work with bigger companies. We're doing 40 deals a year or more mm -hmm. um, in the in the high hundreds, right? Yeah. Uh, but for somebody who's just starting out, there is a simplified version that you can tier your data and create a simplified marketing plan to yeah. execute it. So the part of every improvement for us is, even though we're, I, I believe we do a decent job, a good job at, at account management and customer success, is we need to be promoting more. I'm not so salesy. So we don't push and sell. Oh my God, this is the next best thing that we're going to come up with. We're always developing and improving, but we keep it too quiet. Mm -hmm. Right? So we need to ramp up. We're actually bringing in new account managers to help us that to improve the communication with our clients and have even more touch points and make sure that everybody is aware of all the new things that we're developing. Yeah. Right? Um, just to give an example, we're, we're starting a direct mail done for you service. Mm -hmm. Right, we have a, a, a CRM, and not everybody knows right. that we launched these services mm -hmm. even within our community. So, yeah, that's part of of my main focus of improvement as internal, like in the business, mm -hmm. is elevating a little bit our customer success and product communication to our clients. Yeah. So, what are all your different offerings today? Oof. 
obviously our data that right. comes with the strategy and the tactics should help you really maximize your return on investment. Like mm -hmm. our, our commitment is working with our clients all the way to get to 5X minimum on each marketing channel. Mm -hmm. That's what we call success, Yeah. right? So, and, and that's not something that happens on one onboarding call. It's a process. It's an ongoing process. And that's, I think it's a key for us to have our, our retention rate that we have. Um, our second offering is we partner with Chris Young. He's the founder of 8020 CRM. Mm -hmm. He created a Salesforce solution uh, that uses all the native tools of, of Salesforce to not only run your operation, but also allows you to run your marketing. So you can have all these marketing plans that we're talking mm -hmm. inside your CRM. Mm -hmm. So imagine one system where you can host your data, host your marketing plans, and then all the operations after they become a lead as yeah. well, right? So that's why we invested. We saw an opportunity that everybody's going to Salesforce. We wanted to offer that mm -hmm. for, for the more advanced investors, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing is we're working on this. We're super excited. We call direct mail on steroids. We, we haven't come up with a name yet. Mm -hmm. It's just really leveraging what we learned from texting Mm -hmm. and 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 targeted messaging into direct mail mm -hmm. right like we're working on ai generative tools to for example create if i know the owner is a 55 year old male mm -hmm. white i'll send them image in that postcard mm -hmm. that resonates with that audience yeah. right and if i know they are going through some financial hurdles my testimonial of a client in there is addressing that pain point. So we're trying to lever all the learnings from texting and cold calling into direct mail. Yeah. And we are we have some better users in there. We're yeah. super excited about it. And we're working on that. We're going to be announcing that really, really soon. That's that's just insane. Anything else? Or is it just those three? For now, yes. <laughs> that's a, uh, my passion is starting businesses and starting those ideas yeah. and finding somebody who can take them. Right. That's really what I love is being in the weeds in the beginning of the business and then having somebody run off. Yeah. But I mean, you just kind of look at what we said just a few minutes ago, right? Tighter feedback loops. If you know the results of the leads, then you can say this is the best data for us in this county, right? In this state. In this county, in this city, these are the best data points. Give me more data that have these data points. So if your CRM is communicating with your data and you're using your CRM well. That's our next evolution. Basically, uh, you're, you're going to make so much more money that everything else is free. So today, our clients, we, we do what we call market reverse buy box. Mm -hmm. right? So our process starts with the buy box, making sure... There's 8020. Our, our name is 8020 React because we're huge fans of the 8020 principle, right? Uh, which is 20% of your efforts will create 80% of your results. So, what we learned is by looking at thousands and thousands, dozens of tens of thousands of deals, is there's always an 8020, right? I'll give one example. It's a simple example, but it will resonate. And I'll challenge anybody who's listening to this go back at your deals for the last year or two. And you will find that 80% of your revenue came from less than 10, if not 15% of the zip codes in your market. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Right? So why target the other ones? Yeah. I, I, let me rephrase that. Why target so aggressively the other ones? Mm -hmm. You still might want to engage with some properties there, but it's less frequent. It's a different mm -hmm. strategy that you have to build right. for them. Right? So um, 
So when a client comes in, we help them with the buy box process, really understanding the 80-20 of their deals that they've closed. Mm -hmm. And then we look at the market. What's happening in the market today? So we call a market versus buy box. We pull out all the deals that we tidily selected mm -hmm. to make sure that we're only feeding our model really good deals and look at it and see as an opportunity box, mm -hmm. right? There might be some zip codes that you don't do deal because you thought that zip code was bad, so you never pulled data for that zip code. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're not pulling data, you're never going to get deals. Right. So we look at the market versus buy box as a, uh, an opportunity box. So our next evolution of that is once we have everything fully integrated, and we're working on integration with other CRMs as well mm -hmm. because we don't want to limit our clients who have to use our CRM. Mm -hmm. Highly encouraged though because it's going to be. It is already. We have um, several clients. Amazing feedback on that. But the idea behind it is: what if I can take deals? opportunities and leads and feed the model mm -hmm. with different weights, right? And a deal is obviously more important. An opportunity or an appointment is a little less important, but it's still important. Mm -hmm. And a lead is has less weight, but I'm giving more data, better data and closing the feedback loop that you were saying yeah. to strive for even a better uh, solve. Because you, you nailed it. Like what works Data-wise, in one market, not necessarily means it works in another yeah. one. We learned this long, long time ago. Right. We our first versions were like a weighted stacking system, mm -hmm. and we learned that in some markets, tax delinquent was way more important than absentee, and then this and oh, yeah. this. I mean, you, you you listen to this podcast like, oh, absentee list. This is the way to go, right? Absentee is the future. And, and in some markets, it might be right. In and, other markets, others, it might not be the best option. Right. So that the ability to 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 figure out reverse engineer deals. I mean, I remember one time I had this epiphany, right? Like, cause like, like I said, I was doing my own Google pay-per-click pay marketing as a solopreneur. That's like, awesome. That's I, awesome that you went through that route. Like yeah. it's so many lessons that goes into that. Yeah. And I'm looking, it's like, I am in this area. It seems like every other week. So I went back and to my pay-per-click campaign. And I was like, all right, let's bid 25% more in mm. these zip codes and let's remove 25% in these other ones I'm not even going to. And it got to a point where I just cut out these values. Like once we went, once open door started coming in and like just kicking our butts, we just removed East Valley. Like mm. I can't even compete here. Right. Why? Why spend Why it even all? advertise here? Yeah, yeah. it's smart. Yeah. At the end of the day is, and, and, and that's something that also is important. It's not a one-time thing. It's a constant monitoring, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that I believe is, well, is, is something that we have. It's one of our core values is we're limitless. Mm -hmm. and, and that means to us is we're constantly looking to grow and, 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 and improve. Because what we developed the very first time that we created our first model, granted, <laughs> I'm very proud of this because <laughs> it was me and Felipe sitting across and saying, hey, Let's stack this list, but let's give them weight, obviously, because, I mean, we figured out that really quickly that an mm. owner-occupied or high equity is nothing compared to a pre-foreclosure, yeah. like as far as distress or why would we treat them equally? So we came up with this weighted mm -hmm. model, right? Yeah. But it was me and Felipe having a conversation like this. What do you think foreclosure is? Theoretical. Yeah. <laughs> Expert knowledge, a little bit of conversations and trying to figure it out. Yeah. So, But you know what? When we did machine learning to see how these weights behaved in the markets that we were very familiar with, we were very close. Yeah. Like we didn't get that wrong. And until this day, a weighted model on distresses is an important part of our model. Yeah. So we have a, a, like three components to our model. One of them is still is, and it's an important one, a weighted 
the stress system. Mm -hmm. The only difference now, it varies per market, right? So depending on the market, weights varies. But then we, we have machine learning that look at other data points that are not necessarily the stress, like demographics, education levels. There's a bunch of other things that we look into mm -hmm. to really feed this. Yeah. Uh, How much are you using uh, personal biometric data? Not that much, because okay. there's a thin line in there, how much data you can get there yeah. to to use for marketing purposes. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a thin line in there. Yeah, because there's 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 elements, right? There's like pulling public records, there's pulling, and then there's there's like uh, indications based off of their uh, their habits, their spending habits, right? Like the one I I took from uh, from Chris Richter was like, you know, we, I can't confirm this, but you know, if you go home after work on Fridays and uh, go to 7-Eleven, buy cigarettes, in, in lottery tickets, <laughs> you're probably more likely to have their avatar than someone that goes home and has quality time with your kids. Mm, it's, it's probably very true. Yeah. Uh, but those data points are, are there's a thing lining there on how much you can really use for marketing purposes. Yeah. So we, we do everything within what's, what's possible. And yeah. uh, so let's see here. We've covered a lot of this. Uh, so, okay. The headline. Right, so Phil Green, we love Phil. <laughs> yes, right? amazing mean, operator. When that guy speaks, you should listen. Uh, he, he's he's one of the sharpest uh, guys um, that I know, if not the sharpest. As a matter of fact, I remember when I first joined Collective Genius, which is how you and I eventually connected. I joined Collective Genius, and I'm looking around, and I was like, man, this Frank Kava guy, this guy is... Frank is amazing. Too. Yeah, this guy is is an absolute monster. He literally has an SOP for everything in your business, right? So I'm looking at Frank Kava, and I'm still looking at this Phil Green guy. I was like, that guy's doing a million dollars a month. <laughs> That's obscene, right? And so uh, at at some point, you guys were working together. So talk to me about uh, the what is what is working that was able to get him a million dollars. So the, the story with Phil, and, and I, I would say this, Phil is a brilliant mind, amazing operator, but on top of everything, he's a true giver. We were talking Huge about it before this. Yes. And honestly, I don't think we have grown that fast if it wasn't for him. Yeah. Like we were kind of at the underground vendor, right? Mm -hmm. Because we were working, we were limited on the amount of people that we could take in. Sure. Uh, so we started working with Phil and I remember I did the sales call, I did the onboarding at that time. He was probably top, initial like first 15, 20 clients. I don't mm -hmm. remember exact number, but he was there like in the, the very few, first few ones. And I remember talking to them and like, oh my God, these guys are sharp. Like, <laughs> I don't know, I can serve them like- Yeah, they're sharks. They, no, and sharp <laughs> I know too. they're sharp, I'm saying, but they're sharks. Sharks and sharp, like yeah. I, I, I thought, damn, like I'm gonna need to step it up here to be able to add value to them. Yeah, right. I would never want to compete against those guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> not competing. Just serving is yeah. it, it was, and 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 it was beautiful because we created this relationship where they all always giving us feedback mm -hmm. and great feedback, and we implemented really quickly, right? So we mm -hmm. were always learning from 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 them, and we do that with every client that give us feedback. We love feedback. Mm -hmm. Like I absolutely love the, the feedback loop that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So we got in. And I think they were dabbling on taxing. I don't remember. They already had some data, but they didn't have, at that time at least, a really clear plan for using the data in the outbound marketing channels, right? Like how to do it. Mm -hmm. And when we started doing it, we showed them they loved it. Mm -hmm. And so we took their taxing in. At one point, they I think they had like 20 taxers mm -hmm. for them. That was our highest client, by the way. 20 taxers is a crazy <laughs> amount of volume, right? So. 
take with a grain of salt that million dollars mm -hmm. because it requires 20 taxers mm -hmm. to get there. Yeah. However, there are monsters that sell you, yeah. right? Oh, I don't yeah. think everybody with 20 taxers can get there. Mm -hmm. uh, they are, yeah, right? Uh, so we took it, we took the data, we improved it, we built the marketing plan to make sure they were targeting the right people at the right time. Mm -hmm. And we were passing on the leads and it was surprising how quickly they were converting, 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 mm -hmm. converting. And I remember Phil calling me and say, dude, we, uh, their average margin is a little bigger. I think it was 20 something contracts, 23. We just got our 20th contract from just you guys. You guys are amazing. Yeah. Hang up. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, uh, I mean, sharks, right? That's what I said a moment ago. Uh, I believe his superpower is ideation, where he has brilliant after idea after brilliant idea. And execution. He, but here's his power, too, is he's able to ideate and bring it to. Mm -hmm. And I think now they have evolved. And I would say today, between him and Eric, Eric is, is his right hand and another genius. Genius, shoot, yeah. is finding the right people. Yeah. Well, I believe that's as an organization superpower. They are. Yeah. Yes. As an organization, that's 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 their competitive advantage. Um, and I think I, I talked to Phil about this, right? Like he, he reads principles every single year, right? He wow. uses data to back up the recruiting practice, right? Like one of the things we talked about. We use predictive index. He uses um, another one. Perception. Perception predict. Yes. Right. And, and then, the Myers-Briggs. And Myers-Briggs. And a couple others, too. Right. Uh, but, you know, like per Ray Dalio and principles, right? Like if you have enough uh, profiling tools, you don't even need to have an interview. <laughs> right? Yeah. Very possible. So I, I believe at their point, at this point in time, their interviews is only to make sure that the data is correct. Right, if the data yes. is correct, it's good. and if you look around your operation, right, like who burns out the people that are in, whose roles are inconsistent with their profiles? Yes. At the end of the day, if you do a good job of finding alignment with the core values, people are gonna, just going to burn out if they're doing something that's not their core genius. Yeah. But right? finding your 80-20, you're like, what right. is the things, 20% of things that mm -hmm. gives you the most energy for you to do in the day-to-day, -day, you're going to have that person forever. Yeah. So if this is their genius zone and they're a culture fit, and you give them the tools, let them run with it. Let them run. Yeah. Uh, so 80-20 obviously means something to you. <laughs> so talk to me about 80-20. Um, in what sense? <laughs> why why, why, why 80-20? Why are you so passionate about 80-20? Yeah, I think the first time I came across the concept was an engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember exactly what it was. But I, I, the second time that I came across was on the four-hour work week. Mm -hmm. uh, Tim Ferriss. The Tim Ferriss book. Yeah. Right? And I, 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 it just resonated with everything. I wanted to have a lifestyle. I already had an online business, so I wanted to have that lifestyle of the 80-20. Mm -hmm. And I got deep. Right? Like, it's funny because the, the, this was created by an Italian philosopher and no, economist and psychologist, mm -hmm. uh, Pareto, right? Yeah. Wilfredo Pareto in 1900s. And there's two, two stories there. One, he was preparing for a class and he found out that 20% of the richest people own 80% of the land in mm -hmm. Italy. But there's another story that tells that he found out looking at his garden mm -hmm. that 20% of the plants generated 80% of the peas, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? that's, that's the story I heard. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of those two, that typically is how you hear it. But the beautiful part is it applies to everything. Yeah. Right? Like Microsoft applied this. 20, they fix the 20% of the bugs that show the most mm -hmm. and usually fix almost everything else. Yeah. 
right? Uh, on coding, the 20% of the code is responsible for 80% of the results. So everywhere that you look, you're mm -hmm. going to find an 80-20. Sometimes it's a 90-10, sometimes it's a, a, a 5-95, but you get the idea, yeah. right? It's not efforts and results are not balanced. It's not proportional. It's not proportional. And the moment you start looking to life through those lens, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So what is your 20% that you focus on? Right now, health. Health. Sleep, mainly. Yeah. Uh, getting, I mean, I'm in decent shape now, but I want to be in better shape. But it's sleep. I'm, I'm focusing on around me being my best version of myself so I can be a better leader. Yeah. So my businesses can be better, right? So I'm stepping back a little bit. I, I struggle a lot with sleep. I wake up in the middle of the night with these crazy ideas. I'm solving the world in mm. 4 a.m., 3 a.m. sometimes, and I can't yeah. go back to bed. So I'm working on that, creating a creating the environment. So my mantra for this quarter is creating the environment. And what I mean by that is my goal is to sleep well, spend time with my family, and have fun with the kids. Right? Sometimes we were so into the weeds in the business, we disconnect. Mm -hmm. We think we disconnect, but we're not. We're still thinking. And we yeah. forgot about having fun with the kids. My, yeah. I have a 10 and a, uh, uh, well, almost 10 and an eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. I want to have fun. I want to be conscious of that. So I'm working on creating the environment for me to, because I believe starts with sleep. Mm -hmm. If you sleep well, you're going to have energy the next day. You're going to work out. I do breath work. I do cold plunge. But if I start with a good night rest, mm -hmm. everything else becomes easier. You eat healthier. Mm -hmm. Everything becomes, you have better mood. Across right. the day, you will show up as a better person. So that's my my twenty percent now is is that create all the environments so I am consistent because yeah. obviously I do it, but it's the consistency part that I'm working really hard on. Right, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, the eighty twenty, and you talk about Tim Ferriss, Pareto. Uh, I learned about it actually from Perry Marshall. Yeah, right, phenomenal book. Yeah, the sales it, and marketing is a better version yeah, of it. Eighty twenty marketing. Yeah, yeah, just sales focus on the twenty percent of marketing that works. Like the other eighty percent, like just when you have more, when you have too much money, you can focus on the eighty percent. But spend all your effort on the twenty percent of marketing that's generating eighty percent of your results. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what is your twenty percent? What are you working on? My twenty percent really is, uh, as far as effort goes, is content. Mm. Right. Just creating content. That's like I actually don't like creating content. Like people are like, "Do you enjoy this?" Like, "Oh, you're great at it." I Why? love the podcast. Okay. But the 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 reels and the and all the other stuff and like writing posts, I don't like it. Right. But well, it, leverage it then. Well, not how. It's an income activity. Well, they do write the script, but I still have to record it. <laughs> oh. I still have to be on the camera. Oh, so you're recording reels. I got it. Yeah. All right. So, but it's, that's the, so my 20% effort is in, uh, um, is in creating content. And then my 20% product is sales training, right? Just, that's what I focus on. And, and that will take care of everything else. There's so much freaking opportunity. Right. And Felipe and I had a great conversation this past weekend about it. Right. Like this is something that, you know, we might collaborate one way or another. But that is the the one thing, the one product. There's other products we offer, but that's the core offering. And what about personally? Personally? Oh man. Um 20% I'm focused on. I, I wouldn't say I'm focused on it. I just do it, which is just I wake up uh early to play basketball and 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 uh and work out of the gym. And I don't even like, again, I don't, when I'm saying I'm focused on the, on the gym, I actually hate it. It's tough. <laughs> right? Like doing single leg RDLs, right? Like these, it's just awful, you know, balancing whatever. But the reward is I have less pain, right? I can reach out into the back seat in my car 
and never have that sting that goes right out the shoulder. Yes. Right. So uh, I heard this this video the other day. Like the guy was preparing his body, mm-hmm. so his sons. Would always be afraid of playing him any sports. Yeah, and I like that analogy. <laughs> That's kind of uh, where I am as well. Like sleep, exercise should be able to. Yeah, I want my kids to grow up being afraid of playing me. Yeah, I, they play <laughs> basketball or whatever sports they do. I don't right. care, right? Like I want to be able to compete with them until they're older. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's an inspiration, right? It's, it's a motivation, something to definitely keep you going. Yes. Um, we were talking about uh, CG and basketball. So, you know, you are the sponsor for our CG basketball. That's <laughs> right. The shirts. Everyone's got the 80 20. Uh, it's either white or black, right? The reversibles. Uh, I remember you were one of the, I think there's you and Michael Stansbury. Is my biggest fear when we started playing basketball is like someone's going to get hurt. That was my biggest fear. Someone's going to get hurt because you got a bunch of older alpha males. Right, people and some really good players too. Yeah, like D one level. Yeah, right. Former D ones. Well, the reason why they're successful real estate investors is because they were successful in other areas of life. Yes. Right. So we got a bunch of alpha males that are, you know, maybe over the hill, (laughs) and we're gonna be playing intense basketball. And I think it was the very first time we did that. You got hurt. So it was my first CG, (laughs) first interaction with anybody. Is I mean, no. Because we were working with Phil, and Phil spread the word out in CG. So we, yeah. we worked with many clients. Frank Cabot was already a client as well. Yeah. And it's funny, Frank, buddy, he, I love him. And <laughs> we're in the same team. Two minutes in, I think I got, I got two rebounds and, and made one assist. That, that's all I played. Like mm-hmm. two, three minutes in, Frank gives me a pass. I didn't catch it. <laughs> My finger completely dislocated, yeah. like twisted. I've, I've had that in the past when I put it back. I tried, I couldn't, it was way jammed. I went to the ER, I spent two minutes. That was my first interaction with CG. And I was like, I felt bad, I was like, I don't know who that Jesus guy is, but man, I hope he he recovers. (laughs) I had to go to the ER, they put it back. Still, I still can't put my my wedding finger on that that finger. Yeah. But the other thing too, is we just had an event last month in San Diego, right? Oceanside, where I mentioned earlier, playing a lot of poker, right? Like that event's right next to, like I drive by that casino. Beautiful. That I spent a lot of time at. Uh, you want a belt? Oh, yes. Yeah, talk about that. Honestly, it was an honor, man. I, I am. I was beyond surprised and impressed and humbled by yeah. being recognized, but by the best community mm-hmm. in real estate. Like I generally think I've been to a few masterminds, and I genuinely believe CG is the most go giver mm-hmm. and well intended. Like the people, the organization, the members, everybody's there for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to just share right. and, and have in-depth conversations because I didn't get to present in that event, which was, I think it was the first time that somebody won a belt without being a presenter. Right. And the funny part, I have presented before and <laughs> I don't think I ever got even close to winning the belt. Yeah. <laughs> so it was an honor, man. It was an honor to be able to one, be a part of CG, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, I, CG has transformed my life in many, many ways. One of the things that I, I'm, one of the most proud things I, I am from learning in CG is Matt Oviat was actually the one that inspired me. And then mm-hmm. CG took it to a next level is Matt Oviat has these things. I, I, are you familiar with his impact moments? Impact moments, yeah. Every quarter he take his team and donate and help somebody locally, right? Mm-hmm. And we started implementing our own version of that by inspiration of him and we saw CG, they do this build houses, they go to help people in different countries. That was amazing. So being a part of that and, 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 and being able to learn and 
get rewarded with the goal giver belt. Like, mm-hmm. man, it's it's yeah, it's humbling and inspiring. Yeah, the award that Jesus won was uh, be- best giver uh, yes. for the event. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. It's an it, honor. It, 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 it is. I have it on my desk. I love it, and I'm super proud of it. And now I'm coming for that belt in the next event, right? I want to be a bigger giver. Please, I will love that. <laughs> um, You've won multiple belts, you don't, don't. I've won belts, but not for giving. So now there's another thing to compete on, right? Well, but the presentation <laughs> is giving. Don't, yeah. don't, don't sell yourself short, man. You, you won multiple belts. Yeah. You, you well deserve. You, yeah. you add a ton of value to the community. Yeah, well, thank you, thank you. Um, so I had a private conversation with someone um, in the last week or two, and they asked this question because CG is the only mastermind they've been in. And this question to me was like, is CG really like the best mastermind? I was like, well, yeah, obviously, right? Like, but I'm, I haven't been in all the other masterminds for real estate investing. I've been in a whole bunch of different organizations. But I was like, my, what I said to him was like, well, you know, here's the thing. Um, either you're in CG or you graduate the CG. Because everyone I talk to, they eventually go. Eventually gets to CG. But you've experienced the other ones. So maybe you can give them some peace of mind. Oh, uh, absolutely. I wouldn't look any otherwise. I, I have a good relationship with some other masterminds, but. The truth is CG has, in my opinion, the best organization and members, the combination of the intent of it. Right. Uh, it's amazing. Like they invest so much in bringing high level speakers. Yeah. Like we've been blessed. <laughs> and I go to other masterminds outside of the real estate space. Mm-hmm. And not that I get disappointed because everybody has their own way to run it. Mm-hmm. But this level of speakers for the money that we pay for being a member, mm-hmm. it's priceless. Right. And we had Dan Nicholson in the last one, right? Author rigging the game. Um, ben been, Hardy. Ben Hardy. Ben Hardy was great. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Hoffman, Hoffman twice. Man, I, Jeff yeah. Hoffman changed my, my way of thinking in yeah. many, many ways. And then we had Jeremy Miner and Matthew Pollard two different times, sales trainers, right? And I, I sent a text message to Mark De La Torre. I was like, hey, sh- do I need to update my resume? Like, is there something you guys trying to tell me here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you. no, man, you're yeah. so niche and you know so well industry, you're good. You, yeah, and I know you keep investing in yourself and keep developing. Oh, you have to. You have to. I do operate with a certain amount of uh, healthy paranoia, mm. right? Like someone's coming for me. It's that, uh, you ever see like those near, no fear shirts when you were a kid, right? Like, you know, uh, somewhere, someone out there, someone somewhere is out there coming for my spot. Like it was just a saying on a no fear t-shirt, right? Back when I was in middle school. But I genuinely believe that, right? This is business, right? Yes. Someone's always coming for you. You got to iterate. You got to get better. You're always going to need to get better. And and more than anything about everybody else coming and taking your spot, because I've been in that situation, right? I Like in the poker business, mm-hmm. we were the first. So we're the first, the biggest for a long time. <laughs> and we got lazy. Yeah, comfortable. We got comfortable. Yeah. We're like, hey, who's going to come? Like, we well, <laughs> have 50,000 members. Who's going to come in afterwards? And it happened. Mm-hmm. Somebody came and they matched us, they passed us, then we regained it and it became a fight. And it, mm-hmm. the, the, the competition that, um, what you said, the paranoia. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, healthy paranoia. The ha- healthy paranoia helps you stay sharp and be there. Right. So that's why one of the reasons why we had that as a core value of ours is always be improving, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, we can't settle because the, especially now the world is evolving so fast. Yeah. We need to stay tip of our toes. Yeah, we got to create so much distance where if, where they feel like it's insurmountable. Like if you're like like you wouldn't ever today is like, "Hey, I'm going to compete against Chevron." Right? Like no. <laughs> you would never have that thought. Trying to create that much distance. Um so 
what freedom does real estate afford you today? Hmm? What what freedom does oh. real estate afford you now? Uh, real estate is amazing tool, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody says it's the thing to get you to the thing that you want. <laughs> uh, for me, real estate is about building wealth. Yeah. Uh, we still have a, a, a regular size operation. We're mm -hmm. not a monster operation. Mainly focuses keeping rentals and, and building wealth. Um, by being involved in real estate, we can offset a lot of taxes, right? So mm -hmm. real estate has a ton of advantages. I don't think we're ever going to shy away from it. Yeah. I, I don't know if our passion is in building a super large operation. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I see real estate yeah. as a wealth building, tax strategy, uh, and, and, and being involved. I mean, it's really good as well to, we're one of the few vendors in the space that are still investors. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it gives you a grounding mm -hmm. to remember what it is to be there and taking that data and applying it and running the marketing and having that feedback from that team from looking from within, it's it's another good perspective too. Well, I have people ask me, like I wanna say like once a quarter, like like we like it's a serious conversation, like Steve, why do you have a wholesale team? Like, because it gives me a competitive advantage. Right? It does. I get to see what's going on right now. I get to experience it. Ran an ran an appointment yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. Went to the older older lady's house. And I'll, I asked a question, what happens if you can't sell this property, right? And we mm. went through like everything, everything, right? And I could not overcome this last objection. What was? The objection was, I'll just die here. <gasps> I was like, <laughs> and like, you're looking at her and like, she has no one close by. It's not, and she's had st strokes. It's not an unreasonable possibility that in the next 12 months that someone just does a health and safety check mm. and she's lying face down like wow. it's not an un unlikely scenario like i don't have i don't experience feelings very often it's like this situation sucks but for what she wants i can't help her yeah right and so when i asked the question like you know what happens if we can't help you then she's like i'll die here and i'm okay with that i was like i don't i'm gonna Objection handling for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there are some situations that is right. really difficult to get out of. And, yeah, but but I get to you know like you know we got her from where she was like I want three seventy five. Me doing the math, she only needs two sixty five, right? So I'm like, help me understand this. And like all the stuff that we teach, I'm doing it. And she's like, yeah, I guess you're right. I don't need three seventy five. I'm okay with this. And she was ready to go, and then her sister killed the deal. Right? It's like, like I gotta get my sister on board. It's like, oh, let's give her a call right now. We we, we did that whole deal. And uh, her sister. Oh, you'll you get it eventually. Yeah. Just keep it in the pipeline. Well, so our team has it on the follow-up. Nah, that's right. it. At that, that yeah. the end of the day, it's follow-up. I always say this to our clients. If you're good and you have good data, you want to be the first mm -hmm. and you want to be the last. Right. Right? Yeah. Because it's not just about being the first and just having, you need to do both. Follow-up, consistency, how many deals we close just from follow-up, right? Yeah. And a no now, that's a not yet. Yeah. Oh, exactly right. I mean... She's in severe, dire uh, straits. Uh, what is your why? A family man. Uh, yeah. That's that's where I live. And and now I'm I'm getting into I'm I'm 41 now. Mm -hmm. I'm getting into the giving back mm -hmm. uh, mindset. The the Maslow pyramid having right. significance, significance and impact. And and actually, again, we mentioned it briefly. We we took I took my family and our entire team 
to Mexico with CG mm -hmm. to build a home uh, as a, one of our impact moments yeah. for us. And it was an amazing experience. And I think that's where I'm trending right now is my why is making sure that my family's together and we're having fun together. My kids are the best versions that they can be. Mm -hmm. And I'm the best husband that I can be as well, father and husband. But leading our team and hopefully inspiring more people to give back. Yeah. Because it was my highlight of the year for sure. And probably the highlight of the last five years or more was being there and helping that family with my team and my family. My team, I consider them my extended family. I spend more time with them with a lot yeah. of my friends yeah. and some of my real family, right? Like, right. Uh, and, and being able to share that moment and, and seeing that impact that we did together mm -hmm. was beautiful. Yeah, and uh, what Leon said was, this is the first time most of your viewers met. Oh, no. So we have people from Chile, Colombia, Mexico, Ecuador, uh, Guatemala, Philippines, from all over, and we flew everybody in. It was a, it was a tough flight because it's in Tijuana, so we need to go west. It's, 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 yeah. it's, some people travel Shouting, like yeah. 30 hours oh. to get there. <laughs> really and we worked for two days and a half to build a house for mm -hmm. somebody it was it was amazing but, but from your, your your team members who knew each other through zoom yeah but they've never met face to face or you some of you might not have met face -to -face. no i 90 percent of us never met because we have some people that they get together in the local country so we mm -hmm. we encourage them mm -hmm. but it's funny after we came back those things became way more frequent yeah we built a different bond like mm -hmm. we, I've, I've run virtual companies forever. Like uh, I had offices here and there, but most of my entrepreneurial career has been virtual. And I understand that. However, this was the first time that I felt the second level of connection. And, mm -hmm. and actually there's a uh, Jay Shetty. Are you familiar yeah. with him? Mm -hmm. Has a great content. I'm not going to do as a good job as explaining as he does because he's a great communicator, mm -hmm. but he talks about the four levels of connection, mm -hmm. right? Then level number one, and this can apply to your spouse. I think he applies it to a spouse, but I think it applies to business as well, is entertainment. Mm -hmm. That's the first level of, of, of connection that you can do. And we all do this with our wives or our spouses, right? We watch a series together, watch a movie together. Mm -hmm. The next level is an experience or an experiment, mm -hmm. is doing something for the very first time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That is the second. The third one is when you learn something together when you're going in the same direction. So with your spouse, it could be learning something, a coaching, parenting coach, whatever it is, reading a book together. Uh, and the fourth is when you serve together, when you engage and you serve your community. And it doesn't need to be as fancy as traveling around the world, mm -hmm. bringing everybody from everywhere. You can be serving your, a local soup, uh, kitchen soup, right? Mm -hmm. it, or serving a local, it doesn't need to be something huge, but understanding that and unintentionally, we did that. So when we travel, since it was the very first time we we're going to be together, we did a lot of activities to get entertained, mm -hmm. right? We, we brought a Wim Hof instructor. Are you familiar with Wim yeah, Hof? Yeah, Wim Hof's great, yeah. Breath work, cold plunge. Everybody got into cold plunge with us. Yeah. So experience, something new. Then we learned, we brought Gary Harper to run our annual meeting mm -hmm. and learn, everybody learned together. In Mexico? In Mexico, all in Mexico. So we did three days before the build of the house mm -hmm. with experience and Gary and, and, and a mix of things. Then we did the build and we served together. Yeah. So I didn't realize unintentionally we did those four levels mm -hmm. of connections and, and it created a, a whole different bond with our team. Yeah. It has been amazing. I mean, this is that kind of armor you put around your company, right? It makes everyone unrecruitable. Why would they leave? Like, 
what you've the connection, the relationship, right? The the uh, the, the trust, the rapport, right? Like, how can you recruit someone away? Oh yeah, they, they, from they, Jesus. Yes, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's remarkable. Um, so on the flip side of this, is what's your biggest struggle right now? <sighs> I mean, on, I discuss on the personal level my sleep. Uh, mm-hmm. On business side is. And I'm working on this is having a clear vision mm-hmm. for my team. I've always been a guy who puts the head down and focus at most at a quarter at a time. Mm-hmm. I like this is what we're gonna do, and then we do it. And I'm a quick starter on Colby, mm-hmm. so I like to start things, and I don't think a lot about future. Um, so I've been in this journey since probably beginning of this year or late last year of expanding my vision. Right, I'm an idea guy, but not a vision. There's a difference there between some people. Put together, visionary is the idea, guys. Mm-hmm. But I think there are two different things because you cannot have, you don't need to have a lot of ideas to have a big vision. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more inclined to a lot of ideas and not such a long-term vision. Mm-hmm. I've been working a lot on that, and 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 your subconscious is very tricky. I think you had Larry Yatch mm-hmm. in the show, right? Yes phenomenal like his book on leadership is amazing by the way right yeah you, you, one of my favorite books oh my god is one yeah. of my top five for sure but i went with a in a retreat with him mm-hmm. uh to uncover your subconscious tricks that you are tricking yourself into right and not planning is one of them for me mm-hmm. so it's a constant battle i'm aware of that now but i need to be aware of it every single day yeah. Because any opportunity I have, I will avoid planning, mm-hmm. right? So I, I, that's part of uh, what I'm in. So I'm in the journey. I, I actually went to a Vivid Vision retreat, mm-hmm. uh, spent three days with a bunch of entrepreneurs led by amazing couple, Jennifer and, and, and her future husband. They run it and they help you discover what's your vision. Uh, and they talk about a three-year vision because mm-hmm. you can overestimate what you can do in a year mm-hmm. and you can underestimate what you can do in 10. So the sweet spot's about three years, right. right? So we just finished creating my personal vivid vision for end of 2026, my business vivid vision for 2026, and I'm about to roll it out for the team. Mm-hmm. And But it's that mindset of being always aware that I might avoid planning mm-hmm on how to get there or looking at that vision. Yeah. Uh, so that's my, my, my biggest point of focus on as a leader for our team is, is that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's great, but you already have, you're already working on it. I'm working on it, and, and, but it's a hard work because your subconscious is incredibly tricky. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, we talk about unconscious biases, right? Things that get in our way, things that stop us. Uh, oh yeah, the tar- the, the talk uh, the last CG was talking about that exactly. Yeah, same we're thing. the game. Yeah, uh, I mean, we just had a quarterly strategic meeting uh, about a month ago, and they're like, "What you know? What are the greatest threats to our organization?" And my answer this time was us, mm. right? Like, we know what we have to do, and truthfully, we're making all the money we need to make. We just need to figure out how to keep all the money that we're making, right? Mm. Removing all the inefficiencies, you know, the money that's. Uh, or losing due to churn, due to poor communication, uh, due to uh, customer service experience, all across the board, right? We had uh, like we had a situation where someone wanted to buy something from us, and we didn't get back to him in time. Oh. So he bought some. some so he bought something else. That hurts. Right? That's a twenty-four thousand dollars sale. 
that impacts the bottom line. Oh, 100%. (laughs) It's it's way better to improve a 5% conversion than whatever, five times on on your lead gen. Like the conversion is... Yeah. And so all it was was that we had the, the person that was responsible for it was on vacation. Right? No process to cover for... Well, we have a process. We just didn't have enough uh, salespeople to inside our education side, right? So, like, if we ran our education business, like we ran our wholesale business, never mm. leads never slip, right? So it's like we everything we're doing on this side, it's we, time to start doing on this side. Yes, right. So that, like I said, we know who the enemy is. It's us. Oh, a lot of the times it's our subconscious. So our greatest power is our, also our weakest, our biggest weakness. Yeah, right. And finding that balance on because being a go take action, it's one of my biggest strengths, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't question much. I know something, I go and do it. But at the same time, if I don't raise my eyes and look at the future and plan, it's hard to lead a team mm-hmm. with that. Exactly. Right? Well, and then I imagine probably you and I have this similarity as well. Our ability to solve problems at any given moment. Because of it, we create problems. Well, we create problems, but we don't plan as well because we get away with that planning. Well, but, but, so your subconscious create problems for you to solve them. Right. That's the, the, the toughest part. Yeah. Because you're a problem solver. I'm a problem solver. Mm-hmm. I, got, I, I generally not concerned about things because I know I'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. Like that's my confidence and my, like, mm-hmm. my subconscious telling me. However, the problem is, and that's a strength. Mm-hmm. But when I subconsciously go in and create a problem mm-hmm. for me to solve, yeah. it's a problem. It is or, a problem. Or, or if you get bored, or mm-hmm. if you don't have a problem to solve, you start looking, mm-hmm. right? So, oh yeah, that we, we fill our space, our headspace with more problems. So being aware of that and trying to work on it has been yeah. a, a big work. And I'm proud of it. I'm making progress and it's taking time. I'm finally going to present like a good vision for yeah. my team. Well, and the thing is you're aware of it now, right? Yes. So I would say probably a lot of people that are listening right now aren't aware that they have this problem. Yes. The first is they've been doing it and it's aware of it. And now that you're aware of it, how do you stop yourself <laughs> from doing it? Yeah. I, I, so Larry says you will never stop. Mm-hmm. You're just going to be aware sooner. Yeah. Right? Right. So that's the work. And knowing once you become aware, act on it. All right. Don't let your subconscious beat you. Yeah, don't let uh, it run wild. Yes. Yeah. How do you stay motivated? I'm intrinsically motivated. I love like I love winning. I love competing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now my, my competition is with ourselves. Like I think we're not I'm trying not to look outside. I think we're creating our own category of services and just being the best we can be at yeah. serving. And that motivates me, like having a call with a client and, and learning what they want. And that, that is inspiring. Uh, I think what, another part that's keeping me very well motivated is bringing in high level talent mm-hmm. to the team. That has been one of my weaknesses in the past. I'm really good at, I was really good at bringing people and telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. Because again, I want to solve all the problems, mm-hmm. right? So unconsciously, I'm hiring people to just do what I told them. So whenever they have a problem, come to me. Mm-hmm. Think yeah. about that, right. right? So now I'm aware we're bringing people uh, more to create strategy and empowering them. Mm-hmm. I, I'm super excited about that. Like That keeps me motivated. Seeing my team, like the other day we were discussing something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was so impressed. 
because I we have a CEO has been a year with us and our CTO now. He's fairly new. He's been with us for four months. They both detected the problem, created a solution, and they presented to me. And I'm like, dude, you guys did exactly what I was going to tell you to do. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. That keeps me motivated now. Yeah. Having the ability to see other people execute mm -hmm. at a higher level than me, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, it's really motivating me. Oh, it's great. It's a very rewarding feeling. How are you measuring success? Oof. I think energy levels is my success. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to be, my vision, my, my personal vision is I spent 80% of my time on things that only give me energy. Yeah. Right? I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to be, my success is, is going to be that. The freedom to do the things that really give me energy. I'm measuring that. I'm measuring how energized I feel after a work day, after a weekend, after things. And that way I can measure my successes. Energy is everything that we have. Like mm -hmm. that's why I, I, I want to focus on that. I like it. Uh, what is your superpower? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I guess many, I'm, I'm, I'm an action taker. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's one of my superpowers for sure. I think looking at things and finding ways to optimize it. Like mm -hmm. I gave this example at the beginning, like the, the MLS hacks. Mm -hmm. Say, well, that's inefficient. Let's do it a little slightly different. Mm -hmm. One email generated us three deals, right? Like finding those opportunities to improve is what I really like doing. Mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about product and optimizing it. And yeah. that's the part that I really love optimizing. I think it's my superpower. Yeah. Solving complex problems, or I guess put another way, like I'm just going back to like my engineering days, you know, like they, they, they would have this problem and everyone's like, getting really deep into it and they're like well we got to do this and this and this and like and for me like the the when i knew i had an advantage was like they're all solving this problem in this complex way and you look at it like intuitively it's like oh just just do these two things right here direction, yeah. and this will fix this problem nice. right so i mean that's what you're talking about is like you can look at a large set of data it's like yeah it's just these two things right here and we'll optimize everything else. Yeah, and then I love looking at, so a, a lot of my ideas come from actually sometimes looking at other people's solutions too, mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, I, I like making decisions with little information. Yeah. Like your God, like you said, intuition is a big part for me. Mm -hmm. I, I guess that could be one of my superpowers too, is like my intuition. I, there's a quote, I don't remember who said this, but you never regret following your gut. Yeah. If you think about it, Every time that you didn't listen to your gut, mm -hmm. you, you probably regret it. So mm -hmm. being aware of that too is, 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 is good. I think Chris Voss says it. Yeah? yeah. I don't remember. I, I, yeah. I, I don't like to take credit for things that I didn't create. So, yeah. <laughs> But I don't remember. <laughs> What's your biggest regret? I try to think that I don't have regrets. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you think about journey of your life, this is a message for everybody listening is you're right on time. Yeah. Right? Everything that you fail is lesson. As long as you look at it as a lesson, mm -hmm. I think uh, it, it is. I wish I could have started reading sooner. Mm -hmm. uh, like, for example, I had reached that poor dad in Portuguese version because I, I was raised in Brazil. And one of my vacations, I went to Brazil. My friends were reading. I didn't, but I bought a book. So I, I had reached that poor dad for decades. Mm -hmm. Never, I, I looked it through it, but I never read it. Mm -hmm. 
And until Audible came around and it changed, right? Creating the environment, Audible right. was easier for me to read and I started reading. And that was a big change in my life, the moment I started reading books. So I, not a regret, but I wish mm. I would have started reading sooner yeah. and finding mentors, right? I, I believe there's three ways that you can learn. And, and I spent too much time on the first one, which is learning from your own experiences, yeah. right? So you can learn from your own experiences. You can learn from other people's experience through books, through courses, without interaction. Like I'm mm. talking about no interaction with the person but you can learn reading history books. There's a lot of ways that you can learn from other people's experiences. And the other one is through a mentor, mm -hmm. right? Uh, my journey into reading other people's experiences and mentors was late. Yeah. Uh, but again, right on time, right? Like I, right. the way that I look at it is I learn enough that I don't need to try to figure out everything on my own. Yeah. Because I did. Like my first couple of business was just me trying to figure it out with my partner, my wife, whatever, whoever was around me. But just us, that circle, it's too small. So much out there. There's nowadays, obviously things evolved, but there's not a lot of things that are new, mm -hmm. right? Like business principles, they're all the same. Oh, you yeah. just need to hear it at the right time mm -hmm. to resonate with you. And oh, that's exactly what I need to hear. But you heard it seven, 10, 15 many, times many before. Times. Yeah. But it's at that moment. So being exposed to those content with people that are higher level, equal and even helping you learn so much from helping you mm -hmm. right yeah uh, so yeah i would say that's probably my biggest regret and what was your which failure brought about your biggest lesson many uh i i love my failures man mm -hmm. i i love uh, the first one that came to mind was the, the one that i mentioned in the beginning trying to think that i was the person that had just to do everything like yeah. not delegating uh that was maybe a five-year journey of mm -hmm. me doing, me and my partner doing everything on the on the business and not having an employee, making money and not investing in people mm -hmm. to help us with the things that we didn't like. Right. Oh, yeah. Like the 80-20 the principle, I wish I had it known back there is find the things that you love and do more of those and find people that are good at the things that you don't like. Mm -hmm. They will love doing those and they will do it way better than you, right? Yeah. I they're think, more excited to do it. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a a a big failure for sure. Like my yeah. business, that business didn't grow as fast because of that for sure. Right. Well, we were the uh, the, the bottleneck. We are. Yeah. 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 We need to step out as leaders. That's the biggest thing. You need to step out as being the bottleneck. Yeah. So I want you to think about some last thoughts you want to leave everyone with. Uh, guys, if you got a lot of value today, uh, again, 8020rei.com slash disruptors. There's a whole bunch of free resources out there. Go check it out. I mean, I, I'm hoping this message that Jesus is sharing is, is resonating with you guys. And if you want to see his, his offerings, I highly, highly recommend uh, checking it out. So what are some last thoughts you want to leave everyone with? From what perspective? Personal, business? You, Whatever you know, message what you, you think, think our audience needs. Uh, I guess so. If most of your audience is, is, is investors, right? Yes. Um, depending where you are in your journey, Learn your market, regardless of that. Mm -hmm. Have somebody in your team if you're a large operation. If you're starting, learn your market. Know the data. Know how it works, the processes. So when you talk to a seller, you're an expert. Mm -hmm. And you can provide a solution. Because this is not about the property, right? And, and focus on sales. Really, mm -hmm. really. Like, I'm a data vendor mm -hmm. telling you to focus your business in sales. Right. And for you to do a good job at sales, you need to understand how things operate in your market. Yeah, and your the how your how real estate works 
in your market. In your market. Every possible distress, right? Because that way you know how your probate process is. Imagine, like a lot of people target probates. I like targeting people before they open probate. Mm -hmm. Imagine the value that you watch with family when you help them and you front the money when they don't have funds to pay an attorney to do the probate. Mm -hmm. Not, forget about the benefits of controlling the deal. Just how much value you added to them by knowing and being an expert and holding their hand throughout that process. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of value in there. If you do that, if you know and you know how to help, sales will become easier, your business will become easier, and you will gain a ton of knowledge uh, yeah. for your business. Yeah, everyone wins in that process. 100%. Perfect. Uh, someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they best do that? Um, depends. If they're interested in 8020REI data or 8020CRM, uh, reach out to 8020REI.com slash disruptors. That's the best way. We're going to fill out a form and my team will reach out to you, 8020CRM as well, uh, .com. Personally, I'm not super active on social media. Mm -hmm. I'm more of an introvert. I'm working on that too. Uh, but it's Jesus Toledo, number 23 on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Uh, you can connect with me there. All right. Perfect. Guys, again, if you guys got a ton of value, share, subscribe. Helps us reach more people. Absolutely, man. Thank hey. you so much. This is an absolute pleasure. Awesome, man. Thank Steve you so much. Train. Jump on the Steve train. We real estate disruptors. <laughs>